This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 138. And as always, I'd like to say a big shout out to my Mr. Co-host. And I don't say, I mean, I we're both co-hosts, right? You're not my co-host. The co-host of the Laravel News Podcast, Mr. Michael Dorinda. Yes. But before you say hi, I want to give a quick shout out also to Scout APM. Scout, thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Scout APM is application performance monitoring for your PHP applications. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show. And until then, Mr. Dorinda, how's it going, my friend? It's going well. Good. It's going well. Good, good. Uh, I had a... I had an obscene amount of sleep last night, Ooh, which man. was nice. That's that's the nice. That's that's awesome. That's the best. It was it was interrupted. Liv, <laughs> Liv has been teething sort of on and off since January, like that first tooth, and it's just like bothersome. And then it's like every now and then it's sore. Rum on and the gums, this week man. It really rum on the gums. Yeah, this yeah this week it um it came on in anger. And there are Wednesday night and Friday night. She just, it gets into, if, for those of you who don't have children, there's this blood curdling scream <laughs> that they enter and, oh, and so they good. just scream and, you know, you can put the, the, you know, the creams and the gels and, and give them anti-inflammatories and things like that. The thing is when they're this Fosters. young and it's the first tooth, like it's five, five months, she's, well, she'll be six months, well, she is six months now. She was six months this week. She's only just starting on solids, so putting anything in her mouth that is not like breast milk, they kind of like don't know what to do with it. So you put in a syringe with paracetamol or anti-inflammatory or whatever, and it, most of it comes back out again because they don't know how to swallow it. And when they're screaming, it's even worse because they're just screaming. So they don't stop to go, hmm, what is this, and kind of get it in there. So uh, Wednesday night was just it, – it sort of came out of the blue. And then Friday night – we were a little bit more prepared for it, but we just missed the boat on on getting getting into her last night. Just missed as it. As soon as she woke up, as soon as she woke up from her last nap of the day, I was like Panadol, and then an hour later, it was it was the anti-inflammatory, and then yes, yeah, she slept pretty well last That's night. That's awesome. You figured woke the trick up, out. Like, yeah, we got it. She, I think she slept to about two once we got it down, and then she woke up again about four thirty, and then she slept until like ten o'clock. Which was nice. So that gave Ray an opportunity to to have a bit of a an, an extended sleep. Eli woke up at ten to nine, which was pretty good by his standards because normally he wakes up at six thirty. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good. How about you? I see yeah, you've got some uh, birthday paraphernalia in the background. Indeed, there. I do. Indeed, I do. So my parents are in town, and so it's been a birthday marathon. My dad's uh, sixty eight, and so we've been celebrating all weekend. It's been super fun. We went out to eat a couple times, and the kids got presents and wrote cards and all sorts of fun stuff. So it's been really enjoyable just to have them in town nice. and hanging out and celebrating his birthday. So that's been really, really fun. So, Beauty. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we've got some uh, releases, some news, some packages, some tutorials. We're going to get right into it, folks, starting with Laravel 8.3. Actually, just 8.30 being released. So let me get my screen back to normal size here. Uh, the Laravel team released 8.30 on March 4th. It wasn't going to be March 4th, actually, because... Oh, no. Let's see here. 
I recently updated to Big Sur. I was telling Michael. Um, and so some of my stuff has changed around now. So <laughs> I'm going to get used to where things are. Uh, it would have been the second, March 2nd, actually, is when they would have released this on a Tuesday, which if you didn't know, they release stuff on Tuesdays. So it came with the ability to stop a validator on the first failure, a new collection method, as well as a new rate limiting convenience method for minutes and the latest changes in the 8.x branch. So let's first talk about the first failure in validators. So Taylor himself, the Otwell, contributed the ability to stop on the first validator failure instead of continuing to validate all fields. So if you have a bunch of fields that you're validating, let's say you have five of them, instead of continuing through all of them and saying validate number one, then number two, then number three, then number four, number five, and then displaying all five errors at the top of your input uh, or at the top of your form, you can say at the very first one, just go ahead and stop. So what you have to do is... Um, in this case, I don't believe there's a way yet to do it where like in the control, you should just say this validate. You actually have to make your validator and then new up that validator. And then you can call validator stop on first failure. And when you do that, it will stop on the first failure. It will stop validating everything and it will just uh, fail at that point, which I'm thinking this could be interesting too if you have um, validators that depend on other things being true before it gets to them, right? Have you ever had that happen where like mm -hmm. it needs to be an integer and then if it's an integer, then you validate it as a phone number or something like that, you know? And sometimes it goes like, okay, it's an integer and then check to see if it's a phone number. And if it's not an integer, it, it fails to be able to validate it's a phone number. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. this could be interesting in those sorts of situations too. Okay. We have a new contains one item collection method uh, contributed by Mr. Joseph Silber. This dude is a rock star, by the way. If you've not heard his name, you should check out all his contributions. He's got all sorts of stuff. Uh, Lazy Collections is a big one that he's responsible for, but he contributed the new col collection method for asserting if the collection contains one item. So this is just syntactic shirk for checking if the collection has a particular, um, if, if it just has a single item in it. So like if you did collection arrow count equals one uh, and you would get true in that, you can do the same assertion now where you say contains one item. And if it does contain one item, it will return true. So just a little bit of um, a convenience method there. You have a rate limiting per minutes helper. So Craig Anderson contributed a new per minutes function to rate limiting. It already contains a per minute method, but the new plural version is a convenience method, again, to define, uh, to give more granular control. So you now have uh, decay minutes, max attempts, limit per minutes, and then you have decay minutes as the first argument, max attempts as the second argument. Uh, so again, just a little bit of convenience there. Uh, so you can see the full change log. This was actually for 8.29 and 8.30 in the show notes on the page, or you can check them out. Are they on GitHub now? Is that where they are? Let me see. Let me roll over that. Yep, they're on GitHub. They do, change log they do get rolled in there. Yeah. Mm. Yep. They do get put in there eventually in retrospect, I think. Yes. Uh, sometimes, but they they are in there. Mm -hmm. Yep, indeed. And so there's a couple things, little fixed stuff in there too. So if you're interested in seeing that, go ahead and jump in there. Okay, we've got another yeah. one, 8.32. Ooh, this is the fun one. You got the fun one this time. Yeah. Let's hear about one. it. Big, the big chunker, the big one. Uh, 8.32 was released with a HTTP client dump methods, queue exception throttling, and fluent JSON assertions. So first up, we have from Andrea Marco Sartori, contributed a dump and a DB method to the Laravel HTTP client so you can inspect requests during debugging more easily. These helpers will dump an instance of the HTTP request and client options. So previously, if you had done something, well, these are in the client, these are not in the response. So in in your testing methods, you can do like a this request or this get 
um, and then do a DD. So this is in the request. So you can see what's being sent in your request for the HTTP client. So you could do HTTP, DD, uh, or dump, and then arrow get, and it will, it will spit out to your browser or to your command line or whatever you're testing in what is being sent as part of that. So if you're building up a query string and you need to inspect the payload and things like that, that makes that nice and easy for you. Next up from Paris Malhotra, we had the a contribution of a circuit breaker middleware for queues, which allows you, um, if you are relying on third-party HTTP services that are not so reliable, to do a back-off exception. So you could do in your job, in your job middleware method, a new throttles exceptions 10,5. And in this example, um, this is this will make it basically if the job has 10 consecutive failed attempts, the job will be throttled for five minutes so that the next job would wait five minutes before trying again. You can also use a back-off method appended to that to wait between retries before meeting the threshold as the queue will retry failed jobs immediately. So you'd have new throttles exceptions 10,5 and back-off uh, as a chained method and pass it five to wait five minutes before you do that. So that probably made little to no sense. It is simple <laughs> if you look at it and if you read the documentation. The Q documentation does include details on the throttling exceptions middleware if you'd like to learn more. Claudio Decker uh, contributed fluent JSON assertions for testing in Laravel. At the time of writing, the fluent JSON assertion methods don't appear to have been documented, but there is a pull request that goes into it in great detail. And there's a simple example. So when you're doing assertions against your JSON, you may have previously used the search JSON fragment or assert JSON or assert JSON contains and things like that. And it's a little bit finicky if you're trying to get make some assertions about nested data structures and things like that. So assert JSON will now accept a closure and it will give you a uh, assertion object, so a fluent assertion object that you can then you can perform tests against your against root level properties you could say json had arrow has podcast or has podcast.id and so on and so forth i did have a, a read over the pull request itself and claudio went into a huge amount of detail so you can make specific assertions around the the specific ids so you could do json uh, where id and then a podcast id for example if you're testing against the podcast you could test uh, against the subject, description, keys, nested values. You know, there are seasons and count how many there are. You can count um, a specific number of episodes all through that structure um, all the way through. So it's it's a really nice way of going through all of the, the, the nested data structure in your JSON in a nice fluent way. And you can just chain the, the has methods all the way down and keep passing closures through. So there's a, a has, which has a count. So the size and the length, you can have scoping. There's a where method. There's an et cetera method, which I saw, but I didn't understand. The library will automatically fail your test when you haven't interacted with at least one of the props in a scope. While this is generally useful, you might run into situations where you're working with unreliable data, such as from a feed or with data that you really don't want to interact with in order to keep your test simple. For those situations, you can use the ETC method. So there you go. Check that out. Um, But yeah, so... There's that. There's also has all, where all, missing all, and there's also those wonderful, wonderful debugging dump and DD helpers. I think the documentation has been merged in now. If not, then we link to the pull request in the show notes. Claudio has done a fantastic job with this, and if you've ever had to do any assertions against JSON data and responses and things like that, definitely check it out. Uh, it'll simplify a lot of stuff and give you a lot more confidence in the data that is coming back from those tests i was going to say something a little bit more about the um the throttle queue exceptions so i, w- I was just going to say that michael did a great job 
talking about it, but there is some additional nuance to this. If this is something that you're interested in implementing, which I definitely am, uh, because we've got a couple services we interact with that on occasion will just kind of freak out and you get a ton of failed jobs. And it would be really nice if you just had some exceptions, if you could just say, just hold on for a couple minutes, it'll be fine. Just stop calling it for a few and and then uh, get back to it. So yeah, there there are some ideas in the documentation. The documentation was really well written, by the way. I'm not sure exactly who wrote up the documentation on throttling exceptions, but really well done. Where they talk about retry until, which is another method on the job that will determine the time at which the job should time out. So if you say this job would be valid for like 30 minutes, right? You could say re, uh, retry until and then return the timestamp at which it should time out. The second thing is where they talk about the back off. And in the in the back off, basically, the default behavior would be if you have a job that's attempting to hit an endpoint and it fails, typically what it's going to try and do is it's going to try and redispatch it immediately. So you have a failed job, it redispatches it immediately, re- and then it fails again, it redispatches that job immediately again. And so you could say, like, if you have, if your if you're, um, throttling exception was set to, say, like, allow nine exceptions and you were trying retrying three times, it would only take three failed jobs essentially to hit that rate limit. It would hit it pretty quickly. Um, so that back off basically says like, if it fails, wait a couple minutes before you retry that particular job again. So you fail, go ahead and back off for five minutes and then you fail again, go ahead and back off for another five minutes. So in any case, they talk about that time-based attempts and some of those things. So again, if, if you're interested in implementing that, know that there is a few more options than kind of what we discussed in here uh, that you, you should take a look at in the documentation, which is again, really well done. So thanks for contributing that. Really, really good. Okay. One more, one more. Victor Dauschi contributed the ability to pass an eloquent collection to a model's destroy Ooh. method. So previously, you would have to pluck a primary key if you were to go, you know, model, colon, colon, destroy, and then you'd want to pass an array of the IDs. You would have to pluck from that collection. Now you can just, or, or you'd have to pass the model keys. Uh, but now you can pass the collection directly Very to that nice. destroy method, and it will automatically handle plucking the primary key out for you. So that's just a nice little convenience helper. Thanks to Victor for that one. How many times have you needed to do that, dude? Not recently, but uh, certainly have needed to do it in the past on I more than too. one occasion. And it's always, it's like the kind of thing that you're like, this should just work. And yeah, then of right. course it doesn't. And then exactly. you're like, oh, yes, I got to go and pluck the thing. And then it's, yeah. Or use the query helper or, whatever, yep. or Dave, you know, the query builder or whatever. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, a really nice, that's a, that's a good method. That's a good method there. Thanks. Nice job, Victor. And I apologize for interrupting. I thought you were done. My mistake, my friend. No, no. No, no. Continue. <laughs> Continue. Hey, uh, folks, we're on to the news section here. And I hate to tell you this. I don't really, but I sort of do. We're going to play some taps over here because Laravel 7 has officially reached end of life. As of March 3rd, 2021, it will not receive any more security fixes. So those of you who are on Laravel 7, we would greatly encourage you to upgrade to Laravel 8. Uh, it is not that bad. It, is, it was a really pretty quick upgrade process. And if you haven't used Laravel Shift before or you've not heard of it, you should definitely check that out. Somebody who we also, um, actually, I don't know if we mentioned him on the show. We were talking about him beforehand. But Jason McCreary, a.k.a. JMac, a.k.a. Gone Dark on Twitter, has a great service called Laravel Shift, which you should definitely check out if you're wanting to upgrade your Laravel apps or coming soon, if you are wanting to shift from Tailwind 1 to Tailwind 2, which we just did recently. So he has a shift that's coming for that too. But if you're on, if you're still on Laravel 7, 
uh, would definitely say, yeah, upgrade to Laravel 8 as quickly as you can. That would be awesome because, uh, yeah, no more security fixes. Okay, here's what the Laravel support policy is shaping up to look like with Laravel 9 on the horizon as the next LTS version. Uh, we have a table here, which we have the last LTS version, which was Laravel 6, will receive security fixes until September of 2022. Uh, as we mentioned, seven uh, Laravel 7 was... Um, no more security fixes as of March 3rd. And then Laravel 8 will be no more security fixes in September 6th of next year. So uh, yeah, Laravel 9 will be the next LTS release and that will be kind of solid until 2024. So thanks to Laravel 7 for all that you did for us. Uh, Laravel Sanctum, first party HTTP clients, custom eloquent casts, blade components, route caching, speed improvements, all those amazing things. But Laravel 7 is sunsetting. So Laravel 8 it is. All right, folks. Next up, Git support is coming to the Laravel installer. The installer is getting a new feature that allows you to immediately set up a Git repository when you spin up a new Laravel application and even push it straight to GitHub. There are some examples of what the new install tool looks like taken from the PR description once the feature is available, which I believe it is out now. It was it was earlier this week that it came out. So you can do Laravel new myapp.com dash dash git, which will give you a, which will create an initial git init and then a git commit. For your first, you know, this is my first commit to the app. Um, there's also dash dash GitHub, which will create a private GitHub repo. There's dash dash jet dash dash GitHub, which will commit Jetstream in a separate commit. Um, so you can have, you know, your initial app and then Jetstream and go from there. And then you can even pass custom flags using using the dash dash GitHub parameter. So you could dash dash GitHub equals and then quote and then dash dash public dash dash team Laravel and quote. So that that's passing. Um, switches and parameters directly to the underlying GitHub command line, uh, what do you call it, application. So you have to have the GitHub CLI installed and that's just um, passing things directly through to the GH command. So I believe, let's double check this. I'm pretty sure this has been released now. Yeah, it was merged in and released last week at the time of this recording. So you can check out our article about updating your Laravel installer if you're needing to do that. And then uh, you get access to these Sweet new features. Thanks to Drees and the team at Laravel for that. Yeah, I was actually talking to uh, Matt Stauffer this week, and I said you got scooped because this was um, <laughs> this was previously like a feature Part of, Lambo. of uh, Lambo, and he was like, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. glad to have somebody else maintaining this because, <laughs> right? Yeah, <I laughs> it's mean, always nice when someone else does the maintenance for you. Totally, totally. So, yeah, no, for sure. That's a nice, very nice feature, and uh, love to see those improvements. Hey. Wanted to give a quick uh, shout out. We talked earlier at the beginning of the show about Scout APM. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that real quick. Scout APM, as we mentioned, is application performance monitoring for your PHP applications. So this allows you to find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of really, really large, bloated enterprise platform uh, systems. Um, It's got a really, really nice UI that allows you to trace bottlenecks in your code so you can quickly pinpoint and resolve performance abnormalities like N plus one queries. Those are things you're never going to see until you're in production, probably. Slow database queries and memory bloat. Those are things that are going to pop up over time that will not show up in your dev environment that will be uh, found by Scout APM. You get real-time alerting, weekly digest emails, and you can give it a try for 14 days absolutely free. And you can experience why PHP developers love Scout and call it their very best developer friend. You get new startup plan pricing starting at just $39 a month. And for Laravel News listeners, Scout is going to donate $5 to the open source project of your choice. 
when you deploy. You can find out more about Scout at scoutapm.com slash Laravel News and sign up for your trial. Check them out. Thanks again, Scout APM. It's always nice to have something that you have set up tell you that something's broken rather than finding out a week later from someone that gets hit with it as a customer of your SaaS or of your application or your you know work project or whatever. So it's nice to have that like, kind of stuff. This is one of those things that like I've had happen in the past. And it, it's just one of those things that sort of creeps up on you over time. Because when you first push out a new mm. application, you, you end up with no, no problem. It's just totally fine. And then if you have like a really slow query, you know, it could be a year later, it could be a year and a half later. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're just getting these reports of something, you know, it's like, and then you jump on there and realize, oh my gosh, this thing is so slow. Like, what is taking so long? And then you pull up your Laravel dev tools or whatever and kind of like mm-hmm. pull down an obfuscated version of your, uh, you know, your production or something like that. And wow, yeah, that's a really bad query there. And and those are these things that the, that uh, Scout just kind of tells you right off the bat. It's like, hey, you got a memory leak here. Like you're you're using a lot of memory when you're running this job, or this query is running really slowly. And it does write it does run just as an agent on your on your server. It's really quite light. So, yeah, I like that. Mm, definitely. Hey, the Laracon online merch store is launched uh, earlier this week at the time of the recording, and you can get illustrations from the event on a T-shirt, on a poster or on some stickers. All of the items will be on sale for a limited time only, and the designs will be retired forever on the 22nd of March. So you have about a week by the time this comes out to pick up a copy of one of those posters or grab yourself a T-shirt. I'm wearing my white uh, short sleeve. I'm killing it, my friend. T-shirt and here, killing it. Looks which great. looks great. And I've also picked up the, the gray one, which I think was uh, pretty good as well. That's the one I got If you haven't too. grabbed your ticket... For Laracon Online, there is still time. Uh, the event will be on the 17th of March, which is, uh, it'll be the day after this recording comes out. So it's coming up this week. There are no hotels, no airfare, no any of that awful travel stuff. Just sign up and spend the day watching some of the best speakers right from your computer uh, or grab the recordings and watch them at your own leisure after the fact. This year's lineup is all about the Laravel internals and it includes the following lineup. We've got Mohammed Saeed talking about diving the queue, Christoph Rumpel, the final Laravel service container talk, Bobby Bauman routing Laravel, Taylor Otwell will be providing a Laravel update, and with any luck, we'll be talking about Nitro slash Glycerine slash Octane slash whatever <laughs> he's had to talk about next. Uh, understanding Laravel broadcasting with Marcel Passiot, understanding a foundation and what ties everything together with Miguel Piedrafita, doing small things with Livewire and Alpine with Caleb Pozio and Laravel's Artisan Console component with Nuno Maduro. So definitely check that out. I believe if you're a, if you're looking to sponsor some tickets, you can do that. If you're looking to pick up a sponsored ticket, if you're from an underrepresented community, if you're from a, a place in the world where $30 is a lot of money, then definitely check that out. Apply for that. We will have links to all of that information in the show notes as well as links to the Laracon online merch store. Okay, we're going to move on to packages. So we've got, I feel like we talked about this last time. Did we talk about this last time? E-tags, I think we did. Uh, Maybe. Maybe I have jumped the shark. No problem. Jumped the shark. Okay, context. Do you know what jumped the shark is? No, I just know that it's the context in which to use it. Yes. Okay, (laughs) so jumped the shark. We didn't, for the record, talk about this though. We didn't? Are you sure? Oh, man. Well, Well, we did and I didn't put it in the show notes. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did, but I can talk about it again. No worries. Um, also, Jump to the Shark, I believe, refers to Happy Days, which was a U.S. show with the Fonz. The Fonz when he jumped the shark. That's right. Is that where it came from, though? I think that is where is it came from. Is that where the saying came I from? Think, I think it is. Let's see. Jumped the shark etymology. Hold on, folks. Sidetrack here. Reach yep. a point where far-fetched events are included merely for the sake of novelty, indicative of a decline, decline in, quality. in quality. Yes, that's what we were. That's how you were using it. Jumped the shark, a decline in quality, right? Yeah, so like, I think that's what it's talking about. Yeah. It was. The phrase derives from a 1977 episode of the sitcom Happy Days in which the character Fonzie jumps over a shark while on water skis. This gimmick strayed absurdly outside the original storyline of the sitcom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so like, yeah, it was just like a, hey, that's right. Uh, better call Saul. Okay. Anyway. Hey, folks, we did this once, but in case you didn't catch it last time, we're going to talk about it again. Laravel e <laughs> conditionals. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know if we did or not. It's a package that provides a set of middlewares for e-tags and HTTP conditional requests, which e-tags, I don't, I don't know what these are. And HTTP conditional requests, I don't know. So using the techniques supported by this middleware, browsers can handle the caching provided automatically based on e-tag headers in HTTP responses. So at the heart of the package is the set e-tag middleware, and it sets the e-tag, oddly enough, on responses. So the value of this header is the MD5 hash of the content, and this package also supports head requests uh, as well. So it currently supports two HTTP conditional requests, which are if match and if none matched. Uh, so to give a high-level understanding of how this could be useful to your app, so when the if none match header is in the request, matches the e-tag, then a 304 response is returned, and the browser will use cache content instead. And then if the if none match header doesn't match the newly created e-tag value, then a 200 response is returned. So it sounds like it's um it's for caching, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's basically like it will yeah it will tell it whether it needs to refetch or not. Essentially, yeah. The and so I think the last time we talked about this, or maybe oh. yeah, it's like with JSON responses too. I think it's sort of the idea, mm-hmm. right? So like if you have an API and you're wanting to return something that hasn't changed, right? Instead of having to well, resend, you, I the mean, whole you can thing. use it for anything. Yeah, the e tag HTTP response per header is an identifier for a specific version of a resource, which allows caches to be more efficient and save on bandwidth. As a web server, it doesn't need to send a full response of the content if it hasn't changed. So we check the header. Um, it would say, hey, you've already got, you know, this is the ID. So here's the MD5 hash of the thing. The content, um, yeah. If it hasn't changed, then just grab we'll whatever you've got you. in your local, yeah, exactly. local cache. Yeah. Genius. Love it. Um, yeah. That's pretty interesting, actually. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you wish that you could, um, hmm. <laughs> I suppose this is something that's only, it's only done on the server side, right? Well, you would set the header. And then right. the browser would be responsible for saying, I have this thing. Does your ba- yeah. version match my version? Right. I'm curious if I'm wanting to like utilize this as a uh, like, you know, as a consumer of an API though. Like if I'm trying to pull an API, I guess it would probably Yeah, it's saying it's saying it would all be handled on the server, right? Mm. The three oh four. Because it's it's gonna send yep. back the three oh four. Okay. Anyway. Correct. Yeah, yep. that's that's really interesting. I've never really dug into this much. But it sounds like it could be like if you have like a like if you have a large JSON payload or something like that, instead of having to pull it all down again, just MD5s it sends it to you and it's like, hey, is this the same? Oh yeah, it is. Okay, don't even bother. Don't don't worry about it. It's just the same as it was last time you called, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Nice. Okay, 
We've got friendly prefix IDs for eloquent waddles and go. Laravel prefix IDs is a package from Sparsi that automatically adds a friendly prefix ID mm. to your Laravel models. As Freik van der Herten describes in his introductory post about the package, it provides human-readable prefixes to otherwise random IDs. For example, you might give a token ID that contains a a friendly prefix, token underscore sandbox underscore, and then some random string. The token sandbox prefix could indicate that it's a token for your sandbox environment, which would otherwise look like a random ID. It's basically attaching a, uh, what do we call it, a trait to your model the use has prefixed ID trait and following the installation instructions, you'll need a table column for your model that contains the prefixed ID, which defaults to prefixed underscore ID. And there are a few examples that have been included in the package. So you can create, it will automatically create the prefixed ID. You can find by prefixed ID and it will return things based on that. There's a little bit of configuration involved in doing this kind of stuff. There's some things that you need to put in your service provider, if I recall vaguely correctly from reading, having read the post. Uh, but this this is inspired by Stripe, Stripe's API. If you use yeah. Stripe's API, um, they usually have like a cust underscore or a sub underscore or an inv underscore that sort of like relates to those IDs. And then you store that as a as a field in your database. You index it so that you can you can search by it. And so this package kind of packages that all up and gives you that functionality. So um, same thing with like their to API tokens as well. So like they have like test underscore sk mm-hmm. underscore whatever. So like secret key and then like yep. test underscore pk for like publishable key, mm-hmm. and then live I think as well. That's that's, yep. that's a cool idea actually. I like that. Really like that. Yeah, it just makes it a little bit more digestible because if you're just for using sure. random strings uh, for everything, it kind of makes it more difficult in within the context of the application as a developer to to know what things are that you're looking at. So whether it's this, you know, whether you're passing a subscription around or whatever, you you could conceivably have the same random string with a different prefix in two different two different models. So definitely something useful. It, it packages it up nicely, it makes it all available, it handles all of your route model binding and that kind of stuff as well. So. Thanks to Freik and Spassi for that one. Speaking of Freik and Spassi, we've got another command uh, or another package called Laravel Remote, which is a package by Spassi that provides a command to execute artisan commands on a remote server. So think you have a Laravel install and you want to reach out to another one of your servers and you want to run an SSH command on it. I believe you can say... so. It, so that's the concept. So you say, Laravel, go talk to this other server. It doesn't have to be another Laravel installation, I don't believe. I think it's just an SSH. So you could do like anything, I'm pretty sure. But in mm-hmm. the context that they're talking about it here, they say it's a Laravel package to easily run artisan commands on remote servers. Uh, but in some examples in the documentation, they have PHP artisan remote, and then you say cache clear. Another one is PHP Artisan Remote, which, by the way, remote is the package, right? So you're saying in your in your whatever, the one that you're trying to run it from, you say PHP Artisan Remote, and then that's going to say like, okay, that remote server I have defined out there. And they say ls dash dash raw. So that would run ls on the server, which ls is not an artisan command, I don't believe. And then you can, you can there's, a, there's a couple other examples in any case. Uh, so yeah, 
You also have, you can define multiple different hosts in the config file. So you could say PHP artisan remote cache colon clear dash dash host, and then you can define which host config you're talking about. And then all you have to do is kind of the, the heart of the, the package configuration is you have a hosts uh, key, and then you have the different hosts that you have with like the, uh, the IP, the port, the user, the path that you're going to run it on. And so that's how you're able to essentially hook into those remote machines and run these commands. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I can think of lots of different reasons why you'd want to do this, but uh, not any that I would need to use right off the bat, I guess. Actually, no, I take it back. I, I just thought of one. <laughs> so yeah, I can think of times where I, like, I deploy something to one server and then I actually, during its deploy step, it would be really handy if I could reach out to this other server and just kind of run this one command that it, it like regenerates a key for me actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's a pretty cool, pretty cool little feature here. Yeah, so he actually live streamed it on YouTube. It says, if you'd like to follow the author to see how he built this package, he's live streamed it on YouTube. So yeah, take a look through that. And uh, building a Laravel package from scratch is the the video that he had on how he built this one uh, on YouTube. So man, I mean, Frank and Spassi, he's like prolific, right? He's got so many, like reminds me of like Stephen King or Brandon Sanderson, right? The dudes just write just like crazy. Yeah. That's this guy. He just churns them out there's no limit to the number of ideas or packages it seems like and so yeah um watching that video too is just a great opportunity to sort of learn from one of the people who does it the most and does it the best so check that out as well mm-hmm. got a two for one Definitely. there two for one migrate one database to another in a laravel project using the migrate d package migrate db package from andre Heldar. This allows you to, if you have two different databases configured in your application, you can migrate the data from one of them to the other. So database connections. So if you've got an SQLite database and a MySQL database and you've done all of your development with SQLite and now you're ready to upgrade to MySQL and you want to do some testing against MySQL locally, you can just do a PHP artisan db colon migrate dash dash schema dash from the original connection name, so SQLite, and dash dash schema dash to MySQL. Although, having said that, you can't actually migrate from SQLite to MySQL. You oh, can go no. from MySQL to Postgres or Postgres to MSSQL. So you can learn more about the package and get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub. And this package was submitted to our Laravel News Links section. Um, links is a place that the community can submit their own uh, packages, tutorials, and blog posts and things like that. And you can follow along on Twitter at Laravel Links every time there's a new one linked up and, and added, you can get some content there. So this is all community contributed stuff, not not things that are written by our wonderful list of writers, Paul Redmond, Eric Barnes, and others. So uh, if you've got anything that, you, that you're doing and you want to get it in front of the Laravel audience, then definitely check out the Laravel links. Uh, you can get that at laravel-news.com slash links. Very cool. Hey, we've also got a new admin panel on the Laravel community side of things. So Filament is the name of it, and it is the elegant tall stack admin for Laravel artisans. Now, if you don't know what the tall stack is, Mr. Drinda is going to tell us what it is. Ready, Mr. Drinda? Quiz mm-hmm. time. And I'm ready. It is go. Tailwind, Alpine, Laravel, and Livewire. Very good. There it is. So those are the four that are used 
to build out filament. So the admin panel has simple foundations of Livewire components with a powerful form and table builder that relies heavily on Alpine JS and the UI is a custom design built using Tailwind version two. Uh, so in our in our blog post here, we talk about the installation, which is really straightforward. Just composer require filament and then PHP artisan migrate. And you can create a user account, which you just PHP artisan make colon filament user. Uh, and then answer the input prompts. You can create filament resources right from the command line, which is just going to get added to uh, the app filament resources directory. So with that, then with each resource, you have this form builder. Uh, so you can use this to create uh, dynamic contextual forms in the admin panel. Uh, and each of those forms have a schema. This is sort of Nova-esque, right? So you have um, different components, text inputs, select inputs, date pickers, things like that that you can then tie to different columns within your model. Uh, you also have these tables, which is how you display all those different resources, right? And they as well have their own schema for how those are to be displayed with uh, both columns and filters defined in methods. And there's, of course, a lot more in the documentation, but Dan Heron is uh, one of the guys uh, who helped build that. I think Ryan uh, Schurler is the other one. So I know that it was trending on GitHub for a while uh, as like the top PHP package or something like that. I saw I saw them talk about it on Twitter a little bit. So it seems like this has got a, a little bit of a following already. And um, I think a lot of people have been enjoying checking this one out. So if you have not yet and you are interested in doing so, uh, definitely check that out. Uh, it's on GitHub at, as filament slash filament or on composer as filament slash filament. It's on GitHub at Laravel dash filament slash filament. So... Yeah, very cool. Thanks, guys. Nice work on that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, we're hitting the tutorial section, just a couple to run through today. The first up is one by our fearless leader, Eric Barnes, which is a step-by-step -step guide to building your first Laravel application. Since its initial release in 2011, Laravel has experienced exponential growth. In 2015, it became the most starred PHP framework on GitHub and rose to be the go-to framework for people all over the world. Laravel focuses on the end user first, which means it focuses on simplicity, clarity, and getting work done. People and companies are using it to build everything from simple hobby projects all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. The goal of this tutorial is to create a guide for those that are just learning Laravel. This guide will take you from the very beginning of an idea into a real deployable application. If you prefer to read this as an ebook, you can join the weekly Laravel newsletter and get it for free. Uh, so this looks into Laravel... In, it's not an exhaustive or comprehensive look, but it, if you want something that's more full-on, check out the Laravel Up and Running book by Matt Stauffer. But the tutorial does expect a few prerequisites, uh, including your local PHP environment, having database up and running, having PHP unit and node installed. So this goes through everything, basically from the planning stage through your first steps of getting Laravel up and running through database setup. It's, uh, it's about building a list of links. So like the, the Laravel News links archive that we just mentioned. So it goes through all of this kind of stuff for you um, and just the thought process that, that Eric goes through in, in sort of scaffolding out what that looks like, um, handling the form submission and testing as well as saving valid links and um, all this kind of... Look, I'm going to keep talking, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So definitely check that out if you are looking at Laravel for the very first time. I know given the the breadth of the, the community and, and the listenership and the readership and the, and the viewership of all of this Laravel stuff, there are always new people coming into the framework and it's always good to sort of check out 
uh, a fresh updated process for what that looks like. So definitely check it out. Thanks to Eric for putting that together. Awesome, folks. To send you out, we've got a really interesting article, one that I've not really ever seen on Laravel News by a, a gentleman named Zach Tesca. Zach is a senior developer at Kirschbaum and uh, has been a web application developer for almost 20 years. So Zach has got a really insightful blog post here, and, and there's a lot to it here. Um, but he basically focuses on how we use language in our development circles. And he talks about its importance and how it really affects both our actions and our thoughts. So I've kind of skimmed through the blog post here, but I kind of want to sort of sub, sum up with the takeaways here. And what he talks about is the most important pieces is that our words and our thoughts and our actions are all interrelated. So you can kind of modify or nudge any one of those by changing the others. Uh, but in this blog post particularly, we focus on how our words influence both our actions and our thoughts. And um, he talks specifically about how the fact that because so many people are doing remote work these days, that words really do have a, quite an impact on how we uh, do uh, on, on our actions and thoughts because we communicate uh, through text so often, right? Through chat and email, especially. Um, so we have a lot of opportunities really to sort of refine what we're saying and what we're, uh, what we're sending to our coworkers. And, and so he gives some examples and to say like, usually you would say this, maybe try this thing instead. And why would you do that? So uh, instead of I'm digging into it, try, I'm looking at the logs today to determine potential causes and I will note what I find. And so why would you do that? It's, it's changes it from being vague and ambiguous into a descriptive, descriptive, actionable and timely update, right? So these are the sorts of things he's talking about, which Maybe on the surface, when I first started reading this, I was like, oh, man, this is really long. I don't think I want to read this. I, I'm definitely going <laughs> to give it a good read. It's it's really insightful, actually, um, and enjoyable. So, Zach, great write-up, man. This is this is awesome. More of this stuff would be really, really good. I hope I hope he comes back and writes on this. So this is actually filed under career. Right? So this isn't really like, you know, typically we're like releases, news, packages, tutorials. So this is, we we have this, like me and Michael put this down as tutorial, but this is sort of like career stuff. Um, maybe we'll get more of this. This is pretty interesting, actually. So, again, thanks, Zach. Nice work. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Hey, folks, that's what we've got for today. That is everything. Mr. Dorinda, you have anything to say before we sign off with our lovely friends? Nope. I'll, I'll let you get out of here because of the whole daylight savings thing. I guess if you're starting savings. daylight savings, that means we're going to end daylight savings and move into the miserable cold part of the year soon. Oh, I'm so, far, so sorry, my friend. It's true. It's true. I was explaining, we were talking about how the earth is on a tilt. Uh, my son was talking about like, they're studying about like the earth going around the sun and then the earth rotating and then the earth on its tilt and how I was telling him how we're tilting back towards the sun now and Australia, since it's on the other side of the equator, is tilting farther away from the sun. And so I was like, so Michael is like going to be going into winter. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's a different, like it's the opposite season over there. He's like, no way. So mind blowing. <laughs> it is weird. The upside down. You guys are in the upside down or we're in the, I don't know, maybe we're in the upside down. What is up anyway, right? It's, it's all it's all upside down, isn't it? We're not even, it's not even up. It's like outwards. <laughs> right, true. It's all arbitrary. It's all relative. If you, if you think hey, about folks, it, we're standing 90 degrees to the sun anyway. <laughs> right. 
It's a bit scary, folks. It's a bit scary. Hey, before we get too philosophical here, thanks so much for tuning in with us. This was episode 138. You can find uh, show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 138. If you liked the episode, and we really hope you did, please rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be very much appreciated. And of course, we always love to hear from folks uh, on the show. Uh, if you'd like to do so, hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, uh, or at Laravel News. Okay, everybody, until next time, we will see you. Bye.